Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This is Ben Olson in Washington, D.C. With me is Nathan Fox in L.A. And you said that it's raining. It is. It's raining in Los Angeles. I went to Oregon and got rained on for a week playing golf. Then I went to San Diego and it was like freezing rain and wind in San Diego, bizarrely. And now I'm back in Los Angeles and it's raining. So, uh, yeah, it's wintertime. I don't know. Yeah. It'll change. Today, uh, last night it got so windy and then windy this morning that they canceled school. Um, the winds were up to 69 miles an hour and the power went out, but I guess they were saying people needed to stay inside because they were afraid that uh, they would get hurt by things flying around. That's today? Was, yeah, that was this morning. Oh, wow. So, so what um, are the kids doing today? They're just playing at home. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lucky them. Yeah. Uh, our youngest um, hates going to school. And so it's funny because, well, I don't know if it's that funny, but when it's a school day, he resists getting out of bed, of course. You know, he doesn't wake up. He's dead asleep at 7, 7.15. It's like, come on, you got to get up. And he's like, oh, it's a school day. Uh, he hates it. And then um, on Saturdays and Sundays, he wakes up at like 6.30. So you know, somehow he knows it's not a school day and he just jumps right out of bed. But today <laughs> he uh, – he got out of bed at 6.30 and he didn't know it wasn't a school day because I didn't even know. I was just getting ready and then it's like you get these texts and it's like, oh, school is canceled. And I'm like, how does this kid know? Like he just knows when it's not going to be school and he's ready to go. He's happy. happy Amazing. Camper. Amazing. Yeah. Sixth sense about school. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. great. Um, hey, I wanted to make a quick uh, announcement. I have a class in San Francisco starting on March 10th. That's going to be uh, six days worth of instruction uh, that's happening on Saturdays and Sundays starting on March 10th, and there are still seats available for that class. So please go to my website, foxlsat.com, or send me an email, nathan at foxlsat.com, if you want a seat in that class. Thank you very much. Also, Ben, I'm ripping off your idea of doing extra help sessions online on uh, one weeknight a week. Okay. Um, so, uh, thank you for that inspiration, but I'm going to be, uh, adding a little bit of extra instruction to that class. So it'll be the weekend instruction. And then it'll also be, uh, an opportunity to get extra help on, uh, I think Thursday nights. Cool. Yeah. Now just to clarify, mine's not online, but you're saying yours is online. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That? Mine's going to do be online and it's going to be a joint thing with my LA and San Francisco class. So mm -hmm. I can be anywhere and uh, people, I think it'll actually be really good for drop in, drop out kind of thing, right? People can just sure, show up yeah. and ask two questions and then, and then peace out of there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be making myself available. Like it's sort of virtual office hours is what that is, but that's going to yeah. be included now as part of the class. Oh, good. Both, yeah, cool. Both San Francisco and LA classes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But anyway, March 10 in San Francisco, uh, a three weekend class starting and, uh, you can go to foxlsat.com to register for that. Okay. Yeah, cool. Uh, <clears throat> a couple things uh, on the agenda before we jump into these emails. One is, of course, we have our YouTube channel, which we've told everybody about a bajillion times. Just go to YouTube forward slash thinking LSAT and you'll find it um, if you want to watch the podcast. Although you will not see us. You'll just see <laughs> our logo. So don't don't get too excited. The bigger thing here is I think that um, 
who was it? It was Annalisa Palmer who made the Thinking LSAT Facebook page, or at least a Facebook page, since we only have one. It is the one. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, can't, I feel like this was just like a week ago or something that she made this, right? And there's already a bunch of people on there and commenting. So yeah, thank you for yeah, joining. Totally. We're up to 93 members on that. And uh, shout out also to Matt Kim, who has been helping a lot. Shout out to everybody who's been participating in the group. It's uh, it's fun. We got polls going on. We got comments going on. We got people meeting up um, for study groups and stuff um, across the country already. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it's really kind of amazing how fast that has grown. Um, we've got that linked from our website, uh, thinkinglsat.com. But you can probably also just search on uh, Facebook for Thinking LSAT Podcast Group. And uh, it is a closed group so that we don't get all kinds of spammers on there. Um, There are survey questions that you have to answer when you join the group. And at least I will decline people if they do not answer the questions correctly. Or actually, I don't care what you answer. You just have to actually answer the questions. And if you you, uh, just totally ignore those questions, you are going to get denied from the group. But otherwise, you should easily join. I think we've declined one out of 93 applicants. (laughs) <laughs> and that they're was probably me. like, they're like, Hey, wait, what well, are you declining? Yeah. It, there, there were like three questions. And so somebody, um, somebody applied and they only answered one of the three questions. And the question they answered was how many episodes of the podcast have you listened to? And their answer was 250. Hmm. Well, yeah. this is episode 129. So, uh, you know, unless they mean they've listened to all of them twice, but in that case, I would think that they would have responded to the other questions as well. And so <laughs> just make sure you uh, prove that you're not a, uh, you know, a Russian spam bot by um, yeah. by answering those questions like a human being. Thank you. Very no, much. that was good. Yeah. Cool. So um, and then you said that a listener case wrote in and says that you use the phrase all systems nominal correctly. <laughs> yes. Yes. So uh we could, uh, yeah, all, all systems nominal means everything is uh, is working. Yeah, how did you use it last time? I don't remember. Um, oh, I had gone to the doctor, and the doctor gave me a bunch of tests, like blood tests and whatever, and uh, everything came back all systems nominal. I just Googled it, and it doesn't, it, all it shows is a bunch of video games. Hmm. I'm skeptical. Nah, I'm pretty sure it's a thing. I, I think military <laughs> folks... <laughs> I think it's it's definitely a military thing, um, but uh, yeah, all systems nominal. I think is sort of means you know ticking off the list of yep, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good, that's good. Everything nominal, where you're just naming the things. Yeah, yeah, I think that's okay. Fine. Anyway, all systems nominal. Um, what's next? Cool. Yeah, so uh, I think that's that for that. Should we jump into these uh, emails? We got an announcement from LSAC. We got a couple like news items. Yeah. Yeah. So this first one, um, LSAC wrote an overly long email explaining <laughs> the cancellation process. <laughs> it could have been literally one sentence for sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. No, they, they, it was like, it was, this is like a history. They tell us how cancellations took place in the past and then how they're going to do them going forward in the future and why. Uh, they gave us some... Go ahead. Want to just read it? Yeah. Sample data. Here it goes. Hello from Newton. Um, 
here are some news that will affect your students starting this with this June test. Okay. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like you can just go ahead and give me the news. You don't need yeah. to tell me it's going to affect my students. But okay, thank you. LSAT, LSAT test takers who wish to cancel their LSAT score for any reason have had two options. Cancel the score on their answer sheet at the time of the test or cancel the score in their LSAC.org account within six days after the test. LSAC has reviewed data relating to these two options and has found that the majority of score cancellations are currently done online. That's not surprising at all, but still uh, it could be that a a large number aren't done online. Yeah, it's it's vague because the majority, uh, I mean, this is like an LSAT question, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The majority of score cancellations, that means anywhere between 51 and 100% of them. Sure. So that's not telling me a whole hell of a lot. I mean, if 49% of them are done on the answer sheet, then why are you even sharing that with me? Uh, that, yeah. that does, it's like, it's sort of inherently weaselly, you know, they're, yeah. they're like, you can Technically see what they're correct. You can see what they're doing. They're going to eliminate one of the options, which is totally fine. By the way, this news is nothing but good. Really? Honestly, it's nothing but yeah. good. But anytime they make a change like this, you know, people are going to yell and scream about it for no reason. Cause it's mm-hmm. all just a bunch of lawyers out there in the mm-hmm. world. So people are going to, you know, just make noise, but <laughs> they're they're building their case right off the bat. You know, it even wasn't the subject of the email. It was like about how it was simplifying. We were simple. That's what yeah. they said. They're simplifying. And then it's like, well, the majority are just are done online. So we're just going to simplify <laughs> by removing by, one option, by taking away one of the options. Yeah. Which and honestly changing the option. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad they're doing it. But anyway, sorry, go, go ahead. No, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it'd be better if they just said, this is what we're doing. Yeah. Um, some of the cancellations done on the day of the test were unintended and had to be undone. I'm surprised they even let people undo those sort of things. Uh, to make sure that test takers fully intend to cancel their score, LSAC is simplifying the cancel score cancellation options. Starting with the June 2018 LSAT, test takers will have the single option of canceling their score through their account in LSAC.org, stating starting the day after the test, administration. Test takers will still have six calendar days to log into their account to cancel their score. Yeah, I mean, you can tell they're really defensive here. I mean, they're worried about people complaining, like you're saying, because why are they trying to emphasize so much that they're they're simplifying it, they're making it better? Really, all they're doing is removing an option. Listen, lawyers are assholes, at least the good ones. Lawyers are assholes. And so they're justifiably, I'm sure, every time the LSAC does anything, I'm sure they get threats. Mm -hmm. Like every time. So they're trying to, you know, they want to just give the appearance of not doing anything unilaterally. Everything that we're doing here is only for every, you know, for your benefit. And oh, by the way, we reviewed data before we did this, you know, so don't try <laughs> to sue us because we reviewed data. And so that gives us evidence. And so we can, you know, we will be able to defend ourselves if you decide to come and sue us. And so, I mean, it, the truth is you, you shouldn't cancel. Nobody should cancel. You, you should never cancel your score anyway. So, like taking away one of the cancellation options is good, especially in the moment. I mean, this is like a, um, it's like a waiting, you know, it's like a cooling off period now. 
where mm-hmm. you actually don't even have the option to cancel on the day. Of course, you could also you could always just walk out of the test, which, by the way, would do the same thing, right? Yeah. If you just walk out, you're going to have a cancel score. So this, that even that isn't that big of a, a difference. But remember that bizarre story of the person who tried to cancel their score and then the proctor talked them out of it, but then the bubble sheet didn't work or whatever, and they... Remember that? Yeah, so... The person bubbled it in, right? And then the person was like, no, don't cancel The proctor here. was like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And so then the, the student like thought about it and went, okay, fine. And said, okay, no, I'm not going to cancel. And then decided not to cancel online either. Yeah. But, but then the score came back as canceled because the bubble sheet had, they had glitched out on the bubble sheet, like didn't erase it properly or who knows what. Yeah, that was the the one instance in which there was an unintended cancellation and it had to be undone. <laughs> I mean, that could be, yeah, really. <laughs> For all we know, that could totally be it. Um, anyway, that's not going to happen anymore. And that's good because you shouldn't, at the very least, you should sleep on it. Students yeah. frequently do better than they thought they did on their tests. So you shouldn't be canceling it on the spot. If you sat there and you attempted the whole test, you know, if you, if you gave it the, your full best effort and you spent all the time working on the test, you basically mm-hmm. shouldn't ever cancel your score. So at least this will force you to go home and sleep on it and possibly call me or call you, Ben, so we can try to talk you out of it. Um, yeah. While I'm on that rant... That's one of the least satisfying things I ever do, by the way, is try to talk people out of canceling their score. Mm. It, it's so it's so unsatisfying. No one people only call because they want to cancel and they know what I'm going to say and they try to like convince me and I never am convinced. And then it's like I don't even know why I'm trying to help people. <laughs> it's just it kills me. I don't yeah. understand. I don't yeah, care. like, why, why are we having this conversation? You have the same experience of trying to talk people out of it, but they just really want to cancel it. And <sighs> You know, I don't know. I don't, I don't run into that scenario as frequently. Maybe I, I often say, unless you miss bubbled or the whole section. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, but then they go, yeah, vomited. but I didn't finish the fourth game, though, and I normally do. Yeah. Yeah, that's six questions. What's the point? But I know I could do better, though. <laughs> okay, <laughs> go back and do better. It's Yeah, I don't know. It's not yeah. a conversation I have very often. Really? That's crazy, because I have that conversation like every time the, the test comes out. People really want... It. And maybe I just engage in it and you don't. I think maybe what you do, I think, if I've heard you correctly in the past i think you quick you more quickly get to the correct answer which is honestly it doesn't really matter Mm. who Mm -hmm. gives a shit what you do cancel or don't cancel it doesn't matter you're taking it again so whatever yeah but i just still like i'm such an idiot because i have this like i care more than i should probably and i'm just like i think i do think that it is i think that the correct answer is not to cancel Mm mm-hmm and then I just get like really stuck on it. Like I, I, I really want to convince people not to cancel. Yeah. <laughs> Which I should just, I should just be like, yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. Whatever. I don't care. Do what you want. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're taking it you again. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I but think that, yeah, if you do that, I think they're more likely to be like, wait, what? So, so are you saying I should keep it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 
Yes, that is probably the case. Um, yeah, I, I always end up being like, well, okay, it doesn't really matter because you're going to take it again. It really doesn't matter, right? But a, even if you got a really bad score here, like even if this was a 150, that's better than having no score on record. And you're going to give yourself, you know, you're, you're going to have, this is going to be your one shot if you take it, if you, if you don't, if you don't, if you cancel, you're not going to have any score, which means you can't go to law school at all, which means it's more pressure. And I'm like, now I'm trying to convince them. And then they just go back to their same stupid argument about, yeah, but I really had a hard time with that third reading comprehension passage. <laughs> like, it doesn't fucking matter. Schools only care about your highest score. You might yeah. have done better than you think. What if you got lucky on all your guesses? Why on earth would you cancel? <laughs> but people, people don't want to hear it. So anyway. Yeah. I need to stop um, my... Uh, boy, what is that? That's... Uh, that's some um, Don Quixote shit right there, is what that is. Don Quixote shit? Yes. Tilting at windmills is what that's called. Yes. Can you elaborate? I've never heard that before. Sancho Panza. No? Well, I've heard uh, I've heard of Don Quixote, but what what's the like story that well, he, he, it, I don't even know all the characters. I don't even remember. It's been so long since I looked at it, but it's, it's a dude or two dudes going out and putting on some rickety armor and, and fighting against windmills because they thought they were dragons or something mm. like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so tilting at windmills is the phrase where you're, you're fighting a fight that just can't be, can't be won and for no reason. Got it. I, okay. I, I suppose I also could have put like, uh, I could have called it uh, Sisyphean. How about that? Would that be better for you? Uh, no, I'm still just sitting here. Do you have a shitty education, Ben? Because I do, and I know those two things. No, um, I um, no, I just have um, no knowledge of what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but my education was top notch. <laughs> uh, Sisyphus was the uh, guy who had to endlessly roll the hip, the rock up the hill, the big rock. He had to keep rolling it up the hill. <laughs> That's like a, and this helps you how? <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying is, I am Sisyphus. He he was he was a Greek or Rome, some a character in Greek or Roman. I can't remember which uh, mythology. Please don't write in and tell us, people. We don't care about Don Quixote or Sisyphus, so please save your emails about those two things. So we could look it up if we gave a shit. Um, Sisyphus had to, he was like condemned to forever roll this giant boulder to the top of a hill. But when he did, it would just roll down the other side and then he had to go down and chase it down the other side and then roll it back up the hill. And he just did that forever. Got it. And uh, so that's me trying to convince people not to cancel their scores. Okay. I was just trying to fit, see how that fit into a, you know, a good education. Oh, oh, well, um, yeah, uh, I should say a, uh, a, um, what many people would consider to be a good education. How about that? I mean, I, I have a BS in economics and so at UC Davis, which, you know, it was like all my classes were pretty fucking practical. So I did not study a lot of, uh, classics really. I didn't study a lot of literature, I also went to like a really shitty high school in the Central Valley. And so I don't, you know, I, I, I just, I do frequently feel like other people have a better education, especially people who study liberal arts. Hmm. 
Cool. So uh, we have a another announcement here. Oh yeah, uh, you got this from uh, Above the Law, I guess. Yeah, I follow them on Twitter, and you know, mostly just for the laughs. But sure. uh, this one gave me a chuckle. Yeah. This one says North Carolina Central Law School sets a minimum LSAT score. Don't bother to apply if you can't crack a whopping one forty-two. <laughs> Yeah, it's like they're they're announcing it as a headline, as if it's like some big deal. Like, oh shit, there's this is you know it, this is a new thing that there's a minimum LSAT score. Oh, and it's North Carolina Central Law School, which I literally had never heard of before. And but they are setting a minimum, you know. And I'm I'm thinking like, oh, okay, that's probably really good. No, no matter what that minimum is, that's probably only a good thing. Yeah. But then the number is 142. It's like, oh, <laughs> if you get a 142 or a 148, yeah, we will still uh, take your money and just completely rip you off. But if you get a 141, sorry, we, uh, <laughs> that's their, like their vomit threshold where they would not be able, they would, they would, uh, feel sick to their stomach about how they're ripping people off with a 141. So wait, now this is funny. Cause I just pulled up their, uh, 509. Uh-huh. North Carolina Central University, 509. They're in Durham. Their 25th percentile is a 141. Yeah, well, I mean, so this is the type of school that ends up going out of business, right? Like they're yeah. or losing their accreditation or threats of accreditation, and then they lose, they, they go out of business. So, yeah, they're just saying, I think what they're saying there is they're going to um, probably shrink their class, and they're going to shrink their class by cutting off the bottom of the class. And it's clear that if your if your best LSAT score you can achieve is a 141, I mean, you're not going to be successful in law. It's just not going to work out. One in a thousand might. Uh, yeah, this is this is just bad news all around. Their 75th percentile is a 149. Yeah, it, it, uh, yeah. If this is the best school you can get into, you're going to have a really hard hard time of it. I mean. Unless the North Carolina bar is super easy and unless the job market in North Carolina is totally different than it is everywhere else in the world. I, I don't know. I don't understand yeah. the South. I have friends that just moved to Georgia, though, and I'm going to start spending some time around Atlanta. So I'm going to I'm going to learn a little bit about the South, but it's confusing to me. Hmm. Yeah. Well, anyways, so. I, good for them. Honestly, this yeah. is nothing but a good thing. You know, they're, they're just, and I guess it's a signal then to applicants too. It's like, Hey, listen, we're, we're just not even going to evaluate your application. Save your time and your money. Yeah. And by the way, go, do try harder for the LSAT. Get, show us that you are at least, boy, I was, <laughs> it's just so bad though. It's so bad. Can we, let's talk about, I mean, how many do you have to get right? To get a 142. Uh, you have a test open? I, I have I a do. test right here. Let me take a look here. So this is test... Um, I have June 2007. 60- yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, I got, yeah, test 65, which is the December 2011 LSAT. And based on the scaled score that was set for this test, it changes from test to test, if you don't know that. Um, a 142 would require... I'm going to use their language, a whopping 43 points. 43 um, questions, correct. 
That's right. Yeah, so, and and on the uh, June 2007 test, the scale is slightly different. It requires a whopping 44 questions correct on the June 2007 test to achieve a 142. So let's say 44 because it's easily divisible. Um, sure. 44 divided by four scored sections equals 11 questions correct per section. How hard is it, Ben, to get 11 right on average in each section? Well, let's say you did the first five and got those right. (laughs) That's probably not going to quite get you there, but it's awful close. And then... You guessed on the remaining, yep. right? Yep. Oh, you're guessing on 20 of them. You're going to yep. get four of those, right, probably. Yep. So that's uh-huh. nine. So, yeah, maybe you need a couple more. So you got to get the first seven correct or something like that yeah, in 35 I, minutes. Yeah. I Let's say eight. I think if you did eight. If you did sure. the first eight and you got all of them right and you randomly guessed on everything else, you would get at least a 142. There's yeah. 25 questions on average in each section. You could spend the entire 35 minutes or 53 minutes if you're getting extra time or 70 minutes if you're getting extra time. Um, you could spend that entire time on just the first eight questions, figure yeah. them out, get them right. Or you could spend the entire 35 minutes on the first 10 Mm-hmm. This is how I would, that's probably what I would tell a, like if I tried, if I wanted to get like a high school freshman to get a 142 on the LSAT. Yeah. That's probably the, like a smart high school freshman. I would be like, Hey, listen, just do the first 10 questions. We're going to randomly guess on everything else in the section. Just figure out the first 10. Yeah. And, and you only uh, have to get eight of those right. And you only have to get eight of them right, and that will get you uh, your 142 so that you can attend North Carolina Central Law School. <laughs> and then have a 63% chance of passing the bar. 63? Really? Yeah. Dude, it's that's than, way better than I expected. It is. It's surprising, too, because if you look at North Carolina, the uh, average state passage rate is 69 Okay. Hey. Yeah. I mean, all right. Good. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Hold on. Actually, dude, I just gave out false information. So the Uh, average, um, what? Is this the right thing? Yeah, this is right. Okay. So for this school, 72% passed the bar. And the state is 69%. So there's a 3% difference. I don't know where I got 63. Anyways. Wait, you're saying their their bar passage rate is better than the state average? Better. That means one of two average. things. Either they are really good at preparing people for the bar, yeah. or all the other schools in North Carolina are really, really shitty at preparing people for the bar. Yeah. Uh, or third hypothesis, nobody in North Carolina even bothers doing bar prep. Well, this is interesting, too. It says that Percentage reporting is 80%. Oh, boy. Okay. So uh, fourth hypothesis, they are <laughs> massaging it by by figuring out how to get the people who aren't going to pass not to report. That's right. Who knows what's going on down there? 
Yeah. Let's follow up with the people who passed. Let's not follow up in our survey with the people who didn't pass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Based on, we'll, we'll start with their LSAT score and we'll send, we'll only send the survey to the top <laughs> 75% of their LSAT score incoming at the beginning of school. Um, huh. Weird. Well, those numbers are much higher than I thought they were. Um, Okay, I, I so sorry. This is this is stupid. We don't need to keep going over this, but I just realized what's going on here. They have multiple years here, and sixty three percent is two thousand fifteen. They don't have anything more recent than that. So it went from seventy two percent passing it in two thousand fourteen to sixty three in two thousand fifteen. Huh? I don't know what's going on, man. But yeah. I would avoid this school. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, unless you're going there for free, and yeah. unless you, you know you want to work in Durham. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's all relative. I mean, I, I we get emails all the time from people saying like, well, I shouldn't, but I shouldn't. I'm not even considering that school. I wouldn't even go to that school. And I, I think people get to that way too quickly because mm-hmm. they're they're just not considering the value proposition if they're if they're going for free. And yeah. if you're going for free, it it significantly reduces the risk. And schools like North Carolina Central Law School, I mean, I'm just going to guess that they're the same as a Southwestern Law School or a uh, Golden Gate University or a, what's the equivalent in D.C.? Well, yeah, let's see here. I mean, American's a pretty good school. I guess you have Catholic. Okay, um, let's just say that. I mean, a school that is clearly a regional school where people don't really go there from across the country. They're, they're just sort of, I think they tend to be much more like uh, commuter schools, people who live in the suburbs or whatever, and they commute in and go to that school. Yeah. Uh, I think they tend to have part-time programs very frequently. Those law schools absolutely do create real practicing attorneys every single year. Mm-hmm. I, I, it makes me sick if I think about people paying unnecessarily to go to those schools. Yeah. But if you got into some better school and you just decided to go to this higher ranked school, I mean, you know, lower ranked school, um, worse, let's say worse school, but you're on the, on a full ride, then I don't have any problem with that. In fact, I try to talk people into doing that all the time. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just, people really need to broaden their horizons, I think. Yeah. Um, Let's, you know, don't go to a school like this if it's the best school you can get into. And don't go to a school like this if you're paying full price. Or half. Yeah. Or, well, I mean, don't pay for law school. Yeah. Okay. Enough of that. Yeah. Uh, Twitter commenter replying to at thinking LSAT on the next podcast. Can you tell the story of how you and Nathan met and started the podcast? Dude, how did we meet? I emailed you about using your books in class or something like that. Yes. You emailed me. This was in, well, it was four plus years ago. Okay. Now it's probably, it was probably five years ago. And Ben emailed me to, ask if he could use my logical reasoning encyclopedia in his classes. So I immediately knew that Ben was a man of good taste and super (laughs) smart. (laughs) 
Thank you. It's the best Thank thing you. you could do with an author, man, is is to you know compliment his work, want, want to use his work, especially want to use his work with his students. Yeah, yeah. So I immediately loved Ben because he wanted to use my book, and then um, yeah, randomly six six months later or whatever, it was like, hey, you know, I've been kicking around this idea of a podcast. What do you think? And we just said, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. So then we did that first episode and what was it? We, we must've done it on Skype, I guess. And I don't even remember how we recorded it. Use some cheap like Skype thing. I yeah, just think call it's funny. Recorder, which is a plugin for Skype. So we were using call recorder. I think we just recorded on one end probably. I don't I even think, think both of us recorded. Yeah. And yet that's like where a lot of people I think start, right? They, they either start on the most recent episode or they go back to episode one. I just can't believe how many people started episode one and worked their way up. Yeah, I know. I wonder if we, we should like, um, remaster or create a, um, we should create actually a new episode to put, to plug in as episode one. Yeah. Like welcome. Like change episode one to episode 1.1 or something. And we should create a new we should create a new episode one that tells the story of the podcast and, and just says, Hey, listen, here's what you're getting yourself into. These first 10 episodes or 20 episodes are going to be pretty rocky as far as the technology. I mean, we still have like technical glitches uh, pretty frequently, but yeah, they were, those first ones were pretty fucking scratchy. I, it's interesting that people stay and continue listening. I know. Well, we probably lose quite a few, though. I mean, there there probably are a lot of people who listen to episode one. They listen to two minutes of episode one, and they're like, "Nope, I'm out of there. <laughs> Don't need to do that." Really yeah, when you're idiots. <laughs> if you're going to refer your friends uh, to the show, uh, make make sure they listen to one of the recent episodes first, and then if they decide they like the show, then they can go back and binge the whole thing from the beginning. But I don't know. There's really no reason to go back and binge from episode one, is there? People do it, though. On the Facebook group, everybody's yeah. talking about how they binge it. I don't get it. I couldn't stand us for that long. but <laughs> Yeah, definitely not. So here's something. So then so then we did, like, we did another episode, and then I think it was the third episode that I was coming out to California to visit my family. Is that right? Third episode, I think? Oh, I thought it was much later than that, but okay. I, I, oh, yeah, you could maybe. totally be right. No, no, that's just what my memory is saying, and I— wouldn't want to take the time or effort to actually look at the... No, we, that would not be like us to actually no. look it up. So sometimes, so then we we came out, or I came out with uh, two of the boys, and um, we went to your apartment, and I don't think we've seen each other ever since then, right? No, I think that's the only time we've ever seen each other in the flesh. I mean, we've seen each other on uh, Skype and stuff, but that's the only time we've seen each other in person. That's the time that I tried to offer your boys popsicles, and they politely declined... <laughs> and sat there super quietly while we did the episode, and I drank a beer. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, good times, good times. Well, we'll have to get back together for a uh, live recording one of these days. Yeah, that'll be good. So, uh, do you want to take this next one? Um. Sure. Yeah, I don't think we need to spend too much time on it. Uh, Marjorie writes in and says, guys, how do you not know the term, quote, basic bitch? And I had to send Marjorie back an email and tell her that 
I indeed did know the term basic bitch, but I just didn't want to spend too much time on it on the show. Ben then looked up an article from Glamour Magazine. No, no, she sent this. Thankfully. Oh, she sent the link. Yeah, okay. yeah. Did you check it out, Ben? Do you I know did. now yeah, what a basic I, bitch is? Do I you guess wanna... someone who likes lattes and is obsessed with uh, Instagram and silly things like that. That was my general takeaway. Yeah, I don't love the term. I never use the term. I feel like only girls really should be allowed to use the term. And so I'm, I I like to say basic though. I like to describe people as basic. Okay. I have adopted that. And that just means what, what it means to me is predictable. Yeah. That's if, if someone does something typical. So instead of typical or predictable, I'll say basic Sure. sometimes, but yeah, I I don't use the term basic bitch because I don't, uh, I don't feel like that's my <clears throat> my place. Um, should we move on? Yeah, yeah. So, subject, podcast request. Hey, guys, my mom listens to your podcast religiously, even though she's not studying for the LSAT and not in law school. She loves you guys and finds <laughs> so much wisdom in your podcast. That's... Okay. Wow. Great. Um, she even tried to apply some of your lessons to my SAT prep and college applications. It would mean so much to her if you would shout out her, shout her out for a quick second on the next podcast. Her name is Ramesh. You can call her RJ if it's hard to pronounce. I don't know if I pronounce it right. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, how would you pronounce her name? I would probably say Kayla. Kayla. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks for writing in, Kayla and RJ. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, I wonder how you found the LSAT, the Thinking LSAT podcast. Maybe you were searching <laughs> for SAT prep, and you're like, "Well, it's got one more letter, but let's go with it." <laughs> yeah, and I'm very confused because even Kayla is only studying for the SAT. So yeah, no. I don't know who's who's studying for the LSAT, but we haven't we have audience. Uh, that's uh, not even re- really remotely related to the LSAT. That's strange, but much appreciated. Yeah. Well, invite your friends. <laughs> yeah, invite your friends. Join the uh, join the Thinking LSAT podcast Facebook group and uh, say hello, Ramesh. You definitely should say hello, and you can explain why a mom of an SAT student is uh, listening to the Thinking LSAT podcast. I'm sure the audience would love to hear from you. Yeah. But yeah, thanks. Oh, I'm so glad I got that last email. Do I take the next one? Oh, it's a it's a personal statement. I was wondering. I was like, Jesus. Oh is yeah, 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 yeah. Good, perfect, um, perfect. Yeah. Do you you ready to do this? Ready sure. to dive in? Yeah, okay. let's do it. So yeah, so we uh, we got an email from a listener um, who gave us permission to shred it on the show. And by the way, that's the deal here. Um, I review personal statements for my students in my classes, my online class, my live classes, uh, my tutoring students. I will review your personal statement. I don't review personal statements for random podcast listeners. Come on, folks. What do you think? (laughs) What do you think this is? But um, from time to time, if you give us permission to read it on the show, then, you know, we can make something of it because uh, the whole audience might benefit. So we are in the time of year when a lot of people are, um, when many people are uh, writing their personal statements. Although should have done it months ago, but um, 
people have been lately emailing me frequently about their personal statements. So this is a good time, I think, to do a personal statement. Um, my plan here is just to kind of read it and uh, shred it as we go. Yeah. Would you say that personal statements generally fall into two categories? Shitty like, and not shitty? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like they tend to be really, really bad in the sense that they are focusing on all the wrong things. They are telling us about how great the person is without actually telling us any details or why the person is so great. They don't uh, tell us a story that illustrates that. Instead, they're just like, over time, I learned to yeah. you know, become Te- responsible. And right. like, how do I know you're responsible? You're just telling me that. Telling, not showing is a, for sure a common problem, yes. Yeah, uh, and then talking about things that really aren't personal, it is a personal statement. Or you get this other group of personal statements. It's like pretty dang good, and it's just a matter of tweaking or reorganizing. Yeah, and I agree. When we get these on the show, I mean, I guess if it's really bad, we can just say it's really bad and watch out for this so you can avoid that mistake in the future. But in some ways, it's kind of hard to review them because the whole thing just needs to be scrapped. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. And <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm like a dick. I'm, I'm trying not to be a dick, but I, it's hard sometimes because people write me, like even my students, you know, I don't, charge people for working on their personal statement unless they book me for a tutoring session and want to talk about it for two hours, you know, then I will. But otherwise I'm only doing this as a favor to people. And they're like, Hey Nathan, would you please, you know, review my personal statement? And I, I don't like to read multiple drafts and I don't, I don't want to bullshit you and tell you I like it if I don't like it. Yeah. So I frequently am, I look at it, I read it and I go, Hey, this isn't personal. It's not about you. It's a, the plight of the downtrodden. And I already know that there is injustice in the world. And I, yeah, I feel for these people. I'm on your team. Yeah. I am liberal. I live, I'm a coastal elite. I, I am on your team. And I don't give a shit about hearing the story of some immigrant dude who got deported. It's just not, that is not the purpose of the personal statement. And so I'll tell people that and then they'll be just like, it's like a total affront. You know, they, they want feedback on the essay, even though my feedback is basically start over from scratch. Yeah. It's like you asked for a fruit and they gave you a hot dog and you're sort of like, I don't want this at all. And they're sort of like, well, is it a good hot dog? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't you critique it anyway, even yeah. though you're telling me that I need to start over from scratch? Can't you like, just, I had literally, I had a, a, a student of mine, I had, uh, she's an online student and she, she got irritated and she said, um, she told me <clears throat> to, this was after I had already read it and gave her very quick comments, which my, my comments were basically, Hey, I'm only, I only read the first paragraph, but I can tell you're not going the right direction here. Yeah. And she wrote back and she said, she gave me instructions on how to review. And she told me that I needed to provide, um, valid positive feedback in addition to whatever constructive feedback I had. Hmm. Those were her instructions to me. And so I had to politely decline those instructions and just say, Hey, you're looking for something that I'm not, uh, I'm not given. Sorry. Yeah. 
Anyway, if you write into the show and you give us permission to shred your personal statement on the show, we will uh, shred it. And we're only going to say we like something if we really like it. We're not going to bullshit you about, oh, well, I like this and I like that just to make you feel better. We're going to try to give you constructive constructive criticism, constructive feedback. Do you think your boss in the law firm is going to be like, well, I really like this part <laughs> and I really like that part. You think they're going to do that before they start talking about all the problems? Nope. <laughs> wow. And okay. if it's awesome, that's the thing. It's Even if it's awesome, then they're going to jump to the the technical things that you need to change or the stylistic things that you need to change. When I'm reading an awesome personal statement, I might see a sentence that's not perfectly parallel and be like, well, you might consider re- rephrasing this sentence so it's parallel. Again, it's just human nature, but we're jumping to where you're at and where you can get better, not, well, this is all the stuff you've done awesome because you did it awesome so it doesn't really need attention now. That's going to help you get into law school. We need to focus on what's going to keep you out. If you're going to be a lawyer, you you don't coddling is not good for you. Okay, where that's not my business. That's not my plan. I, I'm yeah. trying to make real. I'm trying to make actual lawyers. Okay, and so this is serious business, and we have work to do. So if if you're asking for for help and feedback, I am going to give you constructive help and feedback, but me kissing your ass about what's good is not constructive. Yeah. That doesn't do, that doesn't move anything forward. I mean, if something jumps out at me as extraordinary, I, I will tell you, wow, that's really good. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, I'm only going to say, Hey, here's the things that we can make better. And that's just we gotta we gotta get down to business here, people. If you're somebody who like needs to to be protect, you know, your your ego is so fragile that you you can't just take constructive criticism. Ah, uh, I don't know how you're gonna cope <laughs> in law school and in the legal world. Yeah. Okay. Should I start? Sure, go for it. Okay. My desire to attend law school began when I attended a DUI hearing with my father, a defense attorney. During that hearing, my father noticed a mistake made by the arresting officer that led the judge to dismiss the case. During the traffic stop, the officer explained the administration of the alcohol breathalyzer test to the defendant. In response, the defendant claimed to misunderstand the instructions and after a repeat of the instructions, again claimed to misunderstand the breath test procedure. The officer mistook this claim as a refusal to take the breath test and erroneously arrested the defendant on DUI charges. Because of this small mistake, the law protected the defendant and the case was dismissed. What do you think so far? too much about someone else's experience even if it's somewhat related to his father and thus to him this is i'm also like why are we caught up in this the details of this random case i i do like that it has i like it's very readable i think i like oh, the sure. short the sentences are short which i like yeah and it's just like here's what happened then this happened then this happened that's great um i I, I don't, yeah, I, it's like, 
you're not your dad. In, anyway, your dad's not really doing much here. Your dad noticed a mistake. But I also, I want to point out here that, um, is this, was that really a mistake? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't like that it's so one-sided. It, it's, it's like, um, it seems as if, and should we say the name? I guess we can say the name. It doesn't say not to say the name. Yeah, we have to, because later. So this is uh, Marcus. Um, I, I don't like that Marcus is, I, I feel like it's too much on the side of, oh, well, of course this was a mistake, and this is the law protecting a, a, a uh, protecting someone who was arrested. I mean, yeah. because the other side is, wait a minute, the officer explained the alcohol breathalyzer test twice to the defendant, and the defendant didn't understand the instructions, and... At what How's point? that not a DUI? Yeah. <laughs> That's what somebody who's really drunk would do. Yeah. Yeah, it acts as if this is a obvious like miscarriage of justice. The uh Yeah. The, the officer, officer was... mistook this claim as a refusal to take the breath test and erroneously arrested the defendant on DUI charges. Really? Yeah. I mean, okay, that was the outcome in this case, and that might have been the reality in the case, but I don't know that for sure. Because of this small mistake, the law protected the defendant and the case was dismissed. Well, what about protecting all of the 300 million other people on the road? Sure. From this drunk driver. Now, I'm not, I don't really believe, I don't, I don't actually feel that. I'm just saying that's the other side. Oh, dude, I feel that. You kidding me? Okay. People die, you know? Yeah, and you shit. have four children. Yeah. And people might have friends and family who died from a drunk driver. Yeah. I, I think this is, uh, I think it's dangerous here. Yeah, you need to show, no matter what, you need to show flexible thought and, a, a, you know, an awareness of nuance and the the grayness of the world, right? So many people yeah. go into this with a black or white, you know, um, mentality. Like, it's got to be this way or it's got to be that way. The world is simple. Um people are bad or they're good or whatever. And it's just like, no, actually everybody's just kind of messed up a little bit. And you can't just assume that, I don't know, this officer was abusing his or her authority by arresting this individual. Yeah. It's, uh, you just, you come off not looking like a good lawyer because it it seems as if you can't see both sides. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that, that this is a problem. Plus, it's not about you. Well, and sorry, I don't mean to <laughs> shred this, but the, you're the most important part of your personal statement is your first few sentences, and all, all right. of a sudden we're kind of going like on a tangent to some story that doesn't really have a whole lot to do with you. Yeah. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see how Marcus tries to um, tie this into himself. So, yeah, consider. Yeah, consider, as you sit down to write your personal statement, consider your reader. Who is your reader? Why are they reading this? Yeah. Okay, your reader is most likely a lawyer uh, who doesn't practice but works at a law school. And your reader is, their intention is to learn about you to see what kind of a, an asset you're going to be to their community. They already have your personal statement, or sorry, they already have your <clears throat> grades, transcripts, they have your LSAT score, they have your letters of recommendation, they have your resume, they know things about you. 
Now they want to know something about your character, your personality, your maybe something about your history, your work experience, your educational experience that doesn't show on your transcripts or your resume. Mm-hmm. They they want to they want to know about you, Marcus. Mm-hmm. And so far, we've read half a dense paragraph here. We've read you know five sentences. And the only thing I know about you, I know two things about you. Your dad is a defense attorney. And you (laughs) seem... I was waiting for the second thing. (laughs) Yeah, well, the second thing is you uh, uh, maybe too much drink the Kool-Aid on the the plight of the downtrodden. Like that you're not... (laughs) The one thing I've learned about you, Marcus, is that you... is, Is not positive... Yeah. Like if, if this thing, if this looks open and shut to you, that doesn't, I, I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm not saying that that's how it actually is to you, but that's what this comes off as. Sure. Yeah. yeah. That this is just a black and white issue. You know, Oh, the officer made a mistake here and the law protected the, the defendant. Mm-hmm. Um, I think many people are going to see that the other way and you're not showing me that you're seeing it the other way, which doesn't make me optimistic about your, lawyering abilities yeah okay um sorry let's continue here it says this experience led me to investigate the nature of legal work and i quickly developed a love for the intricate and precise character of the law since then i arranged my education to prepare me for law school and for work as a lawyer i chose to study philosophy for the reasoning writing and critical reading the study requires i selected courses that would contribute to my study of law and sought experiences that would make me a better law student. However, with all of these typical educational choices, I also decided to work in door-to-door sales to help me prepare for law school. Hmm. What do you think? Hmm. Uh, I'd be very curious to see how working in door-to-door sales was intended to help him prepare for law school. Although it can be challenging. I mean, you have to go up to people and talk to them. So maybe that's what Marcus is going to talk about. Um, I don't know. It makes me want to read more. I do want to learn more about that. And it's unusual. I haven't heard about door to door sales before. Yeah, no, that, that is intriguing. I, I don't know. I mean, part of this, Part of the problem I have with this so far, though, is that I don't know how old Marcus was when he went to this hearing. And so when the first sentence says, my desire to attend law school began when I attended a DUI hearing with my father, the image I had in my head was someone who's like, I don't know, a teenager, high school student, maybe maybe a college student, but I'm thinking high school. Yeah. Because Not- so many statements start out like, oh, I first became interested in the law on the playground. It's like, what? That that's a horrible time to I don't decide. think I've right. I don't think I've ever read a good personal statement that has any of that like origin story of how you decided to be a lawyer. I, I just especially when it's childhood. Sure. The younger Maybe you if get, you're forty. Yeah. <laughs> if you're forty or I mean Sure, you're in college and you do something that has to you run into some issue with the law or your friend does or you help uh, someone. Even those, I don't yeah. It always makes me queasy. It gets back to that one-sided thing where like you didn't like the way it worked out in this one particular case and now you're angry and now you're going to go be a lawyer. 
uh, that doesn't, uh, I hear that story too often, I guess. Yeah. It's not focused. It's focusing more on the, the uh, naive ideals of justice as opposed right. to the practical reality of research, writing, arguing, and arguing is a very small part of yeah. your job, which is mostly your research and writing. And that's not a great way to pick a career. Yeah. If you interned at a law firm and fell in love with the work you did there, yeah, that makes me believe your story. But yeah. because you had some landlord-tenant dispute or because of some problem in the dorms that you had with someone got busted for weed or whatever, or because of some other injustice that you saw, that doesn't tell me anything about your, like, really ability to succeed in the legal world. Yeah. So who cares? And like, ever since I was four, people have always told me that I should be a lawyer. That definitely doesn't tell me anything about your potential. So you can save all that. I mean, let me also throw out this, um, the image, you know, my desire to attend law school began when I intended, when I attended a DUI hearing with my father, that's the first clause that's the first half of the first sentence right or almost all the first sentence yeah um the reader could easily think that you were the one who was on trial yeah or they could easily think that your father was the one that was on trial yeah i actually thought that for a second and then i saw oh a defense attorney doesn't i mean a defense attorney could still be on trial for dui but then i was of like course. oh probably maybe the father well, here yeah. is defending Odds are your father is defending, but still. Yeah. So there's three different ways that someone could misread that. And probably not your best foot forward. Yeah. I like the last sentence of the first paragraph. Just this idea of, you know, tell me about your door-to-door sales. That could totally, that could totally work. Dude, that could be a good first sentence, right? Start by saying, hey, um, skip the whole with all of these typical educational choices. The the educational choices, by the way, can be cut because they're going to be in your transcript. I would just say, I decided to work in door-to-door sales to help me prepare for law school. What the fuck? Yeah, (laughs) awesome. Awesome. What are you talking about? And then you go into it. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be a lead where people would understand it, and they would be it would be intriguing, and they would about want you. to learn more about you. And you could, make, yeah, you could make a rock star personal statement out of that. Yeah. Now we'll see what you got here, but yeah, we think <laughs> we you're like good. that part. Yeah, <laughs> we like that part. Let's hear about it. Door to door sales to help you prepare for law school. That's an awesome, you know, it's an interesting thesis, and I'm willing to spend ten minutes with you to learn more about that. Yeah. Okay. Um, second (coughs) paragraph, a friend of a friend approached me in February of 2015 and pitched me on the idea of summer sales with some pride and excessive naivete naivety and quote sold on the character building and communications skills. This type of job could bring I decided I would try pest control sales for a summer and see how it went. That sentence is way too long and clunky. It's hard to read. I don't like that sentence. Yeah, and this is a side note that the listeners can't see here, but uh, Marcus put sold in quotes. And um, my cousin, Leslie, who is an editor, 
she uh, edited some of my stuff a while ago, and she'd always erase quotes. I wouldn't put quotes here, but sometimes when I did put quotes, she's like, "Just say it. Just if if that's what you did, then that's what you did. If not, don't you know? Don't worry about quotes. Like almost never use quotes around words." Um, and well, it's not like that's so unusual. Like that usage is so crazy that you need to call out because what's that he's doing? You're call what that that is that move is like. I'm calling it out as a, Hey, notice that I'm doing this figure of speech. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. I was quote sold on this thing. Yeah. But that's very common usage. Yeah. So yeah, I I agree. The quotes don't need to be there, but anyway, that sentence is way too long and needs to be chopped up. Um, okay. I decided I would try pest control sales for a summer and see how it went. I failed miserably. I like that sentence. I do. Um, yeah, short sentences, short mm-hmm. declarative sentences, especially when they start with the word I. <laughs> People need to write more sentences that start with the word I in their personal statement. Um, I did this. I did that. That's that's good. Yeah. Okay. But now you're failing. So we're going to hear hopefully now some like overcoming obstacles or something like that but we'll see. Even with my sincere effort to improve, my timid, insecure, and naive personality hindered my success and preyed on my self-doubt. The usage there of preyed isn't right, I don't think. I don't don't think your personality can prey on your self-doubt. Yeah, I'm not sure I understand what happened. It can hinder your success. Well, I mean, hey, if you're timid, insecure, and naive... I don't think you're going to do very good in door-to-door sales. Yeah. But preyed on my self-doubt, that's, no, your self-doubt is part of that personality that is hindering your success. Yeah. This is, that sentence is like trying too hard to sound fancy or something. After three months of work and little financial success to show for it, I gave up on sales and worked as a technician for the last month. When I returned to school, after a grueling, mentally depressing and failed summer, I decided against returning to door-to-door sales. I did decide, however, to return to work as a technician the following summer. Oh boy, now I hate it. Uh, what do you hate? Well, <laughs> I was expecting door-to-door sales was going to like really teach Marcus something. He was going to overcome some obstacles. And instead, all I've... So now, like, what do I know about Marcus? He's timid, insecure, and naive. And when he fails, he quits. (laughs) It was grueling, and he got depressed, and he failed. He didn't make any money, and he failed, and he decided not to try again. Yeah, so the only reason I have held out judgment is I'm assuming that, like, he's going to come back to it. Right. Like, I don't... (laughs) The, the sentence at the end of the first paragraph doesn't make any sense. Or, yeah, like, I mean, I guess he I guess he did decide to do door-to-door sales to help him prepare for law school. But then if all he's going to tell us is that he then quit, yeah, I'm assuming he's got to be telling us more. Yeah, you, you got you to gotta quickly here get to um, <laughs> how this helped you. How, like, why does this – listen, I'm reading your personal statement because I'm looking for a reason – to believe in you as a law school applicant. Yeah. I, 
I'm thinking about, hey, I have to take Marcus to the committee meeting. I really want to admit Marcus, but I got to convince my colleagues that Marcus is going to be a good lawyer. What am I going to say to my colleagues at this committee meeting to try to convince them to admit Marcus? And failed door-to-door salesman ain't cutting it. No. Okay. But here he comes. He's going back as a technician the next summer. All right. My nickname, quote, Bug Guy Marco, grew during the second summer of sales. Um, Wait, what? Um, I thought he went to work as a technician. Right. Yeah, second summer of sales. You mean second summer in the bug business. And you're not selling anymore. Was the door-to-door stuff bug sales? Yes. Oh, I decided I would try pest control. Somehow I missed yes. that. Okay. Pest control sales, but now he's going as a as a bug guy. Okay. I'm picturing um, John Goodman in Arachnophobia. Oh yeah. Um, oh, for some reason I got so like twisted around here. So he's still doing the pest control. He's just a technician now instead of a salesman. Right, he went back as a technician, which is yeah, he's not selling now. He's got the, uh, the 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 tank on his back and the wand and the boots and the coveralls and the uh, goggles and the respirator and everything. Those guys come. Those guys come to my house and they try to convince me that they're better than the other bug guys. I'm like, it's all the same, guys. You all just spray nasty chemicals everywhere. Yeah, yeah. My nickname. Quote, bug guy Marco grew during the second summer of sales. The veterans on the sales team knew me from the year before, and the rookies quickly learned that I was an excellent service technician. My perfectionist nature combined with my work ethic led me to do the service well, and my sales experience contributed to my rapport building with customers. See, that's confusing because I thought you had no rapport with the customers. That's why you completely failed. Yeah. Um, you need, you'd have to make that more clear. Like my, my failures caused me to learn that I needed to do these other things. Yeah. Otherwise I'm, I'm totally confused. After two weeks on the job, sales reps filled my schedule from dawn to dusk with service requests. They often called me to answer questions that potential customers had about the products used by our company or give a price estimate for a specific pest issue. Because of my continual research on pest control procedures and specific pests, as well as my research concerning those processes and restrictions made by the Department of Agriculture, I became the unofficial expert on all things bug. Bug guy Marco. The way that the sales representatives and the management put their trust in me built my sense of self-confidence and self-worth. Recognizing I was a crucial part of the team, I worked harder than ever. I wanted the sales team, the other technicians, and the office to succeed. I began to stay out late helping other technicians finish jobs, working from 9 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. I became the technician my managers trusted with other office issues, including picking up product orders and organizing the product cage. I grew to become Bug Guy Marco. Okay, I have to, uh, I'm sorry, but... You gotta stop saying that. (laughs) Well, listen, I read the Papa Zach personal statement on the show... And I'm now really worried that everyone is going to try to clone the Papa Zach personal statement. Yeah. And that seems to be what's going on here is that Marco wants to make a brand for himself. And so now he's going to keep saying bug guy Marco a million times. It, for one thing, I don't think that's what you want them saying at the committee meeting. <laughs> like, 
Yeah, like see, Papa Zach. This it's this idea that he's this mentor slash leader right. slash caretaker for the yeah. whole team, friendly, loving, gonna help every. You know, yeah. Or and also, hey, we got a bug guy too. Yeah. So if we ever have any infestations, we'll know who to turn to. <laughs> Some of those older buildings on campus, you know, they've been here for 150 years. <laughs> Dude. I don't know if you've been down in the basement, but, uh, you know, we got, we, there's some shit down there. <laughs> Marcus, don't, <laughs> don't take this the wrong way. It's just, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, well, at the very least it's being overused. My nickname. I mean, I guess they called him that. Yeah. I, I just, I, I'm. I think Marco got Marcus got inspired by the uh, Papa Zach personal statement and and took a crack at it. Um, I just don't I don't know that bug guy if if that's because think about right okay if this is you're trying to build a brand for yourself <laughs> the brand you have built for yourself is your pest control guy yeah I don't see how pest control guy and lawyer and uh, now you are um, showing you're, you're showing yourself working hard. You know, this fact of working from 9 a.m. to 9.30 p.m., that's awesome. Uh, the other technicians or the managers or the salespeople calling you for expert whatever, that's great. That's like facts where I'm now, oh, I see his coworkers believed in him. He, he became a trusted resource. He, he worked really hard. All those things are great. Yeah. But the brand bug guy Marco, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't see how that's going to really help you. I think mentioning the fact that they eventually came to call you bug guy Marco at the end of all this kind of illustrates that they did have trust in you, that they saw you as a knowledgeable expert yeah. who worked hard. But that- I have to push back on that though because he's in the pest control industry. They're all bug guys. That's all the whole. Co- that's the whole company. Yeah, so no, I, then it makes me not even believe you that the guys at the pest control company are calling you bug guy Marco. Yeah, they're bug guys. Yeah, it's a little strange, but I could see it as he 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 being the one who got to know all the different bugs. Like they're like, oh, talk. <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah, it's a little strange. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. You could go more into that, like how you. I don't. By the way, this sorry tangent here, but I don't like the word research. I'm not doubting that you investigated yeah. bugs, but it always it's you know to me when I think of someone researching, I, I see them in a lab coat or I see them poring over books. And my guess is that you were looking on your phone and saying, "Hmm, I, wait, I wonder what the Department of Agriculture says here." Yeah, that's research on some level, but uh, I don't know. When people say that, it almost feels to me like they're pushing too hard to show that they're so studious and right. Um, they know that law practice has a lot to do with research, and so they just want to call. They want to try to emphasize research. Yeah, I mean, how yeah. much research were you really doing, or were you just like, I yeah, you ha- research has all different forms, but maybe just say that you worked hard to become familiar with all the different procedures and pests out there, and give examples so that we really get the sense that yeah, you know your shit, and then talk about how people relied on you because you knew that stuff so well, better than other people in the bug <laughs> industry, then it's like, yeah. oh, wow, you really did know 
what was going on. But using the word research seems like you Googled a few things and now you're trying to claim that you're some sort of scientist. And to yeah. me, that that's what you don't want to do is you don't want to oversell, right? This, yeah. Let's talk about door-to-door sales. You don't want to go too far and then make it your claim unbelievable. That is like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Skippy or what's that? No, Splitty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With the crazy resume. Yeah. yeah. Where it just sounds, it sounds impossible to believe. Yeah. Um, here we get to, so now here's a twist, actually. Um, for the summer of 2017, I did what I thought I would never do. I returned to the sales team. Armed with my knowledge as a pest control technician and a newfound self-confidence, Bug Guy Marco succeeded as a door-to-door salesman. <laughs> Sorry. He's referring to himself in the third person there. Cool. Um, <laughs> I approached potential customers respectfully and confidently, and my professional approach to sales impressed both customers and non-customers alike. One homeowner took my business card and contacted me with a job offer in asset development because of my presentation at the door. He never bought the service from me, and I had no intention to take the job. You mean no intention of taking the job. But this gentleman found my professional and positive attitude attractive to him as an employer. That's kind of too wordy there, right? I mean, Uh, there's too much there. You said the same thing three times there. After hearing my intention to to attend law school... He went out of his way to contact attorneys in the area and recommended me as a future investment. Even though I did not achieve incredible success in sales, I attained my original goal with summer sales to develop my character and improve my interpersonal skills. Is attained used correctly there? Is it spelled correctly? (laughs) Why is that... Um, I just don't know if it's used. Is that attain? Word choice seems really funny. I attained my goal. Obtained. Obtained makes sense. Attained. Well, but obtained. Yeah, I think it might be right actually. But it's just hey, you're bumping your reader. You know, you're bumping two guys who went to law school, and we're not sure if it's right or not. Um, Maybe use a different word. Accomplished. Achieved. Accomplished. Yeah. yeah. Reached. Hey, side note here. He says, even though I did not achieve incredible success in sales, you don't need to say that. We don't need to know that you didn't achieve incredible success. It it, it sounds like, I mean, what it literally says is you weren't the best, which is not a big deal. You could have been awesome. You could have been great and not been incredible. But it has such a negative tone. I, I I was reading this. I was like, oh, he really figured out how to do sales. And it's all, although I did not achieve incredible success. Wait, what? Oh, so you were awesome, but you actually weren't awesome. Like, yeah, it's like well, I still kind of sucked. Yeah. But. <laughs> I went back and I had this new confidence and I was average. I, it's, you got to get better at selling yourself. I'm not asking you to lie, but you don't want to push too hard, uh, like with words like research, but you also don't want to be so, negative that yeah yeah everybody else is putting their best foot forward you can certainly be um self-deprecating but only a little bit because you you're ultimately you're trying to sell yourself i think maybe even uh, one thing we're talking about right here is the scale or the you know the tone are you are you more positive about yourself or more negative about yourself 
part of the problem is I think just being even on that scale. I don't know that you should necessarily be doing these sort of self-assessments. I think you should just be telling us what happened, right? And then we come in and we say, ah, wow. Like before you even said this sentence, this last sentence, even though I did not achieve incredible success in sales, I attained my original goal with summer sales. I I wasn't even thinking about how much you sold, uh, whether you achieved your goals or not. All I thought was, wow, he... He was so good at presenting at the door that this other person took interest in him and tried to connect him with attorneys. That's what happened. And then I drew conclusions from that, which were positive. And then, unfortunately, you just popped them at the end. You're like, and I didn't really actually do that well. And I sucked at Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wow, this is a – oh, okay. Maybe it wasn't that great after all. So yeah. don't make assessments about yourself. Just tell us what happened, and we'll draw those conclusions for you. Yeah. It's what, yeah, yeah. It's what a great um, – Oh, like cross-examiner does, right? They <laughs> were, were you angry when you approached the door? Yes. Uh, you, you really wanted to, um, you know, you really wanted to talk to the individual inside. Yes. Uh, and they're trying to, and then they stop there, right? They don't, they don't ask you any more questions like, did you punch the person? They just leave it there and everybody's thinking, oh, they were angry and they really wanted to talk to that person. Maybe they, maybe they hurt them, but they don't want to go that far because if you didn't actually punch them, they're not going to get you to say no to that. They're just going to lead up everything to the conclusion, but not the conclusion itself and let the jury draw that conclusion for themselves. And that's what you have to do with your personal statement. You have to lead, you have to give them all the facts that lead them to conclude that you're awesome without you coming out and saying, and by the way, I'm awesome. Because as soon as you do that, it takes the wind out of the sails and it's like, oh, um, okay. Like you want the person to come to that conclusion on their own. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it's just showing, not telling, right? Yeah. Okay. Last paragraph. I was never the best salesman. (laughs) Okay. We got that part. (laughs) But my experience as bug guy Marco strongly contributes to my personality and worldview. And I will, uh, sorry, and will contribute to my success in law school. I would cut that entire sentence. I mean, that's just, that's conclusory. You're, you're, you're telling me things. You're trying to force things down my throat. Please don't tell me how this is going to contribute to your success in law school. I hate that sentence. Oh, and by the way, people do that all the time. They always say how XYZ is going to make them an awesome lawyer, make them an awesome student in law school, make them so prepared for the profession. They are the ones who feel qualified to judge your skills in relationship to law school and the profession. They don't feel like you're in a position to judge how your skills will help in law school. Correctly, by the way, they, yeah. they believe that correctly yeah. because they know about law school and you don't. Yeah. If you haven't been to law school, you basically don't know shit about law school. So they let them, you talk about the things you know about, which is your life, your experiences, your, you know, don't, don't, you don't need to try to tell like this whole sen- this whole paragraph needs to go. Just as I was a source of knowledge and support to my sales team, I will be the same to my law school team. How do you know that? Or are you going to do research on uh, case law and then provide, like, be the go-to man for, you know, property? Like, it's just... You don't know that. You don't know who you're going to be in law school with. You don't know if you're going to be great at it or shitty at it. You don't, you, you don't know that. My professionalism, personality, and perseverance, which anyone can say, by the way. So now you're telling me that you're professional and you have a great personality and you persevere. These things are all vague. Um, Yeah. And it's just, it's, I don't believe you because anyone can say that 
My professionalism, personality, and perseverance will elevate those around me in my law school class. You don't know that. Anyone can say that, and you don't know that, and it seems like you're trying to rip off the Papa Zach personal statement. Um, Bug Guy Marco (laughs) will contribute to the intellectual discourse and the diverse culture of, and then in brackets, named law school on my path to legal service in the community. Um, I hate when people copy and paste in the name of a law school at the end of a personal statement. No, if you can do that, that means that the state, the sentence you just wrote is not unique enough to the law school, um, to pretend to be right. And they'll, they'll sniff that out in a second and it will do more harm than good. So just cut it off, especially (laughs) for those people who make the foolish mistake of keeping the wrong name of the law school in that for a different school. And that happens. Which we all hear time. about every year. Yeah, somebody does that. Dude, look. So, yeah, go ahead. No, just don't, don't ever do that. It, it's your personal statement. You don't need to mention. It's not about them. It's about you. You don't need to do that in the personal statement. Please don't do that in the personal statement. It looks like garbage. It's too easy to mess to mess it up. Just don't do it. And I would just say this entire last paragraph here from Marcus has to go. Yeah, uh, that, there's nothing in there I would keep. Yeah. So here, let's let's just go over a bunch of don'ts. Uh, Marcus, don't take this personally. This is all. Uh, this is super common for a ton of people. Yeah. Don't start your personal statement with some origin story, unless it's amazing and unique and modern, recent. Um, but just don't. And then, well, it has to be. It needs to be you as an adult. Yeah. And it needs to yeah. be serious, not just like oh, I saw some attorney help this person and now I want to be an attorney like you you have to do right. so much more than that you have to then you have to get it's like it's like when people get uh you know in a relationship or something and they're all starry-eyed and they think the other person's amazing it's like well no you actually have to figure out who they are before you go further with that you have to figure out what law school is about before you go further with this dream you have of becoming that attorney who saves immigrants on their way out of the country I, and it just you know there's so much more to your career and your job than these moments um in any case sorry i don't mean to belabor that but so watch out for origin stories. Make sure that the first few sentences are focused on you and are intriguing. We talked about starting with the sales, going right into law school. That would be great. Um, don't tell us uh, how awesome you are or how or how bad you are. Uh, just tell us what happened. Show, don't tell. Um, avoid... Avoid these sentences at the end, especially they come at the end usually that tell us about how you're going to be so awesome in law school or the profession. You're not an expert in that. Don't worry about that. If you know what it takes to be a lawyer, tell us, show us through stories how you have those skills or those dispositions. And then we will see that and say, aha, this person would make a good lawyer. Don't go so far as to draw the conclusion for the reader. Last thing, don't ever have a generic law school name slot in your statement. There's just no purpose for it ever. If you have something unique to say to a law school, then it should be something that really is only applicable to that law school. And for your other personal statements, you're going to need to write another paragraph or another sentence or get rid of it. Yep. I, well said. I think that's all great. So where where do you think um, Marcus goes from here? By the way, Marcus, yeah, I mean, we've been like having some fun here and uh, obviously, but uh, we really appreciate you um, 
Hey, it takes some takes balls to put it out there like this, you know. Yeah. Open yourself up to getting fucking shredded by by me and Ben. So, um, thanks for that. Where, where do you think Marcus goes from here? I I would maybe stick with this story somewhat. I, I would start like we said with that one sentence. I would clear out a lot of the negativity from the first year. I would just say it was challenging. Kind of move past that quickly get into the second year, tell us how he did really well, and then use that to get into the third year. And then... Um, uh, also, can I just make yeah. a point? I mean, I'm I'm okay with I failed miserably. Yeah. I'm okay with that because you're going to overcome that. You're going to get better. You're going to end up being successful. So I'm okay with I failed miserably. Yeah. I'm not okay with my timid, insecure, and naive personality hindered my success. It's like, whoa, that's not the lawyer I want. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm saying. Is like the first year, the negative, the failure is good. It's fine. We all fail, and you have to fail to become good, right? That's I a, also go. yeah. I well also cut out the after a grueling, mentally depressing, and failed summer. I decided against returning to door to door sales. Instead of that, put. I decided to return as a technician the following summer. Then I did all of this, you know, I, I got really good at that. Then I realized that the sales and management teams were calling me to ask me for advice. I gave them advice. I realized that they were using me as technical support on a sales call. And then I triumphantly returned to sales the following summer. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we're downplaying the weaknesses. We're not lying. We're just not like saying, and look how awful am I? And I, I'm wallowing in this like, abyss of like failure and you know d- depression is real and more people have uh, struggle with depression than you know you might realize and but nobody wants depression on their team like you when you start looking like you're depressed people don't want it mm-hmm. there the, you you can go ahead and keep that part to yourself um you know, I, I would keep it a little more positive. You could, you could totally fail. You could crash and burn in sales. That's fine. But then you've got to dust yourself off and try something else. And then when you come back to sales, it looks awesome. Yeah. But you you can't go on about how beat up you were and how it was depressed, depressing. You could also, I mean, you don't want to say this is, this is not true, but you could say it was challenging uh, that first year, but I didn't want to give up, so I went back as a technician. I mean, you say that, and it, it turns something where you're like running away from a problem to I'm going to try to tackle it from a different angle. It's two totally different perspectives, yeah, and yeah, one yeah, sounds a hundred times better than the other. Um, yeah. Or they wanted you, like the company wanted you. They, they asked you if you would join the technical team, yeah. you know, or the, join the technician team. And then you kicked so much ass there that then you became this resource for the sales team. And then you end up going back again. Yeah. Triumphant return to sales. You don't need to say I was the best salesman there was or anything like that. You just need to say, I realized that with the preparation and the knowledge and whatever that I, you know, I could totally do this mm-hmm. once I knew my shit. Yeah. That's, that's all totally fine. I think bug guy Marco is doing absolutely nothing for you here. I, I would, I would remove every instance of bug guy Marco. I would never, ever say bug guy Marco here. That's just not, that's not, no, you, you can tell this story instead can, can productively be put to use in your favor. If it's the story of 
you tried at something, you failed initially, you tried a slightly different angle, you learned a lot, you became a trusted resource for your team, you came back and you kicked ass at the first thing. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you on that. I'm gonna, I, I think that using the phrase bug guy Marco, if they actually called you that, I mean, now Nathan has raised a point. I'm wondering if they actually did. But if you really did become that expert to the point where people referred to you frequently, not just once on one Saturday afternoon as bug guy Marco, I think that that mm. could be used as mm. sort of like circumstantial evidence that, yes, you really were viewed as an expert and you're not just saying that. To the committee, so I don't mind using it once, but I would use it to illustrate this point, not to brand yourself. Okay, um, just make it clear if if it's the sales, the door to door sales people who aren't bug guys, I would believe them referring to you as bug guy Marco. Like if they're calling you up because oh shit, I have this tough issue. Yeah. I better call bug guy Marco. Yeah. That's fine. But otherwise I'm not believing that the employees of a pest control company are calling anybody bug guy, anything. Cause they're all bug guys. Yeah. So if that's, I mean, you just need to make it clear that that's where this nickname came from. Um, and even if it's not true, go ahead and say it anyway, <laughs> because it'll just make the, it'll make this story more believable. I just don't, I'm not, if it's bug guys calling you bug guy Marco, I don't, that doesn't do anything for me. It just makes, it's hard to believe. Yeah. So, you gotta make it believe you gotta, it's gotta be believable. Even if it's, even if it's true sometimes. Yeah. I mean, what you're saying is don't include things that are unbelievable, even if they're true. Exactly. Right, because your readers, your readers, going to be pretty skeptical. Your readers going to be oh, they get so for, much garbage every day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, I, I don't know. I think we spent maybe yeah. enough time on that. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Marco. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot, Marco. And by the way, to the listeners, we are not going to do this very often. So, um, you know, if if you have a personal statement that you think uh, would be interesting uh, to read on the show you could always send it into us uh, with permission to shred it on the show, but we we're only going to do one of these every, uh, boy, I don't know. What do you think? 10 episodes, Ben? Yeah. It's kind of fun though. Don't you think? It is fun. I, I really enjoy it. And I do think that it could be very useful for people. Um, but I don't know. Here, I don't here's know. the thing, Marcus, uh, and to anyone who does eventually send one in, uh, give us your best version, please. Don't send us one. Yeah. And then two weeks later saying, Oh, I, I saw some, I rewrote some things cause I never read it again or something. It's got to be like your 10th or 20th draft. But um, keep in mind that even though this might seem brutal, it's so much better to get shredded by us idiots than people who are never going to talk to you. They're just going to look at your thing and say, hmm, this guy sounds like an idiot. And I'm not saying you're going to sound like an idiot, Marcus. I'm just saying they're going to read the personal statement and say, no, we don't want this person rejected. And you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. Maybe it was my numbers. Maybe it was this. No, maybe it was your personal statement and it just came off the wrong way. How, how much time do you think the typical reader is going to spend on one of these personal oh, statements? few minutes tops. They're reading it quickly. They're making snap judgments super fast from doing this every day in and out. And if it doesn't flow and it's not believable and it's not interesting and they don't get engaged, it's a, it's a, it's a loss. Yeah. We, we spend 40 minutes shredding it, but they're going to spend three minutes making snap judgments. Yep. And so, 
um, yeah, well, we, uh, we only do it because we want to help. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I like Ben, it, make it your 10th or 20th draft that you're sending us, like make it production quality. Like you think it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, I noticed the formatting here, it's all single spaced and the, the standard format's going to be two pages, double spaced. Mm. For most schools, is that still the standard, Ben? Do you say two pages to people? Yeah, uh, I guess I'd just say for I, I don't really fuss too much about the formatting. It obviously has to be followed to a T. It would be horrible to get knocked Not because you didn't it. follow it. Yeah. But I just I don't know. I always say follow whatever the school tells you. You know. Whatever the yeah. word limit is. Some people wonder, they're like, oh, well, this school says the, the word limit is uh, 250 words or 500 words or something like that, but I really have something important to say, and all the other <laughs> schools say the 500. It's like, you don't want to fail a stupid rule <laughs> yeah. in your application. If they say two pages double spaced, do two pages double spaced, or, you know, fewer, two or fewer. Don't, don't do a two in a, in a paragraph because you way, have something important to say. By the way, I guarantee it would take me two minutes to knock out 200 words out of that. Oh, easily. Yeah. I mean, anything that anybody wrote, unless it's, you know, Hemingway and it's the <laughs> 10th draft, there's, there's going to be plenty of fat in anything. So you, you can shut it. You can, you can cut it down. This, by the way, just FYI was 867 words. I have a feeling this thing is too long. Yeah. So if you send it into us, I mean, um, it should be like I, the old standard was uh, t- 11 or 12 point Times New Roman uh, double spaced, yeah. two pages. Yeah. And I have a feeling this is much, this is at least like three pages. So I think you can, you can cut it down a lot. To cut out words, by the way, without losing any meaning, uh, just throw it into Grammarly.com. It's free. Oh. Yeah. And and there's other sites like it. We're not <laughs> getting any benefit for promoting that one in particular. But you just take the text, you copy it, and you paste it in there, and it starts telling you stylistic changes uh, to shorten your sentences to make them clearer and f- flow better. For example, the phrase, in order to, can almost always be replaced with just two. And you right. haven't lost any meaning. You've just made your prose tighter and easier to follow. So. Yeah, use something like Grammarly or something like that. Does it also change utilize to use? Yeah, it does. It it goes through. It, nice. it does all these changes that Word doesn't do because Word is more focused on grammar, whereas um, Grammarly is focused on. Ironically, it's called Grammarly. Obviously, it will correct grammar mistakes, but that's not the issue here so much. It's more the style. Um, right. Are your sentences too long? It will tell you it's too long. Are your phrases too convoluted? It will tell you, and it will suggest other ways to write it so it flows better. Cool. Yeah. Um, I think we're about over time, Ben. You want to wrap it up? Sure. Yeah. So um, that was uh, episode 129. Thanks, y'all. All All y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. And don't pay for law school.